0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus said to his apostles Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life For my sake, will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever receives a righteous man, because he is a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink, because the little one is a disciple, Amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus
1: Christ. As priests, we have often been reminded that when we are vested for Mass, at least in the vestments that used to be worn, or the ones we wear here, that you bear the cross on your back and on your chest. The vestment is a symbol of what your life is supposed to be. Most of us don't like confrontation. We try to avoid it. We would like life to be peaceful. We would like to always be able to agree with one another. We don't like the idea of rejection or separation or conflict. And yet, that's part of what it means, our Lord tells us in today's Gospel, to be his follower. Not because we want it, but because as soon as we choose something as being absolute, it will happen. Once we actually commit ourselves to something without question, and without compromise, our life has changed. There will be conflict. There will be confrontation. There will be rejection. And sometimes separation from those we most love. Our world would say, no, nothing really should be taken that seriously. What's important is that we all get along, that we all tolerate one another. So we are told, and we sort of nod to the maxim, that we should tolerate even the intolerable. And we've come to do it. At least when it comes to faith. Have you noticed that in our world? That we are told that faith can be marginalized, but nothing else really. Most people are far more serious about their politics than they are about their faith. They might be willing to give up their faith, but not their politics. More often than not. And yet, the only thing that really matters in the end will be faith. That's the one thing that can never be compromised and that our world tells us can always be. Oh, It doesn't matter what you believe. Don't you think all religions are basically the same anyway? It does matter what we believe, and no, they aren't. If we believe that there is such a thing as truth and that it is knowable, once we know it, we can't compromise it. and there can't be more than one. If there are two, then nothing is true. You can't have a conflict in truth. So our Lord then today tells us, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Our Lord's being very direct and very honest with us. And then goes on to say, whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Those ties are undoubtedly the closest ties that we have by way of family. And we should put everything, including those, aside for love of him is something many people simply will not accept. I've known people, and you perhaps too, who have been rejected by their families because uh, they have found the faith and they won't compromise it. I remember, well actually I don't, I wasn't born at the time, but my great-grandmother um, on my father's side of the family no one was Catholic and in fact they were bigotedly anti-Catholic this is the turn of the last century in the, you know, the early part of the 20th century and one of the children, the second the, the boy uh, married a Catholic and my great grandmother said to my great grandfather, well that's the end of the family and that's the way she saw it. But the woman he had married was not about to compromise her faith for his family. And I always admired her for that. Uh, that She would stick by it to the very end. And I remember that when I was ordained, she was quite an old, older woman by that time, was having difficulty getting around. Uh, but by golly, she was going to travel 120 miles to get to my first mass just to show the family that sometimes these things happen. And and in the end, she was going to win anyway. Uh, She meant that much to her, that nothing else would be compromised. And our Lord then goes on to say, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, there was a time when we used to read the lives, not just of the saints, but the lives of the martyrs. Uh, Some of you will remember that you might have had a, a nun as a teacher in the days when still had them. And sometimes they would say to a class, let's say, of second graders, how many people here would like to be a martyr? Now, a second grader, not knowing martyr what a martyr was, thought it was probably a very good thing, so everybody raised their hand. <laughs> uh, and then she explained to them what a martyr was. Uh, there was something very important to us in those days to reinforce the reality of faith through the lives of those people who had died for it. I, most of us are aware of a man for all seasons, but you know, in the last 10 to 20 years, the media and the secular press have tried to, in some way, compromise St. Thomas More, to try to find things in his life that would be, oh, perhaps not acceptable to us today. Because when we have examples like that, people change, people are different, and the world is threatened. By martyrs. It always has been. One of the reasons, as you know, the Church grew so is because of the martyrs. Because people were willing to compromise nothing for their faith. As you know, I recently have put that painting up there. Um, it's rather a striking painting. Uh, it's The title of it is The Martyrs in the Catacombs. I mentioned this the other night at the fortnight for freedom. Uh, that in that painting, you see two martyrs who have just been killed, uh, who are being laid out on the floor, and one who's being entombed. And there's a bishop presiding over their funeral at a Eucharist. You will notice something about that painting I pointed out the other night. No one in that painting is bored, uh, and no one in that painting is squirming because they're not getting anything out of it. They are there because, at the risk of their life, they know that that's the one thing they must do above all others. In fact. It can be said that the reason that most of the martyrs died was because they insisted upon attending the Eucharist, going to Mass. That's where many of them were actually arrested, and some killed on the spot, like St. Callistus. He was arrested and beheaded following the celebration of Mass. Uh, And yet today, again, how many people can sort of put that aside as something not all that central to their lives? If that isn't, what is? Ask yourself that question. If the faith, and I mean the faith as we know it and believe it as the Church gives it to us, isn't all that important, what is? G.K. Chesterton once said in regarding uh, wars of religion, none of us like war, and people will say, imagine going to war over religion. Chesterton said, what else is worth going to war for? Nothing. If it isn't a matter of your soul, don't go. Only if it is, then you have some reason to fight. Otherwise, you don't. And so, again... The Church exists through all these centuries uh, insisting upon the integrity of the faith. And of course, there's always something we'd like to compromise, isn't there? And yet, without the fullness of it, we are never fully whole. When I think of those people risking their lives beneath the earth to attend Mass, or just to receive the Eucharist, and then to take it to those who couldn't be there even them at the risk of their lives it's really quite something uh, I guess perhaps life is just too easy and when things are easy we take it for granted again, jewelers get used to fine gems uh, and we can get used to what we have and think that it isn't really all that serious because we aren't asked to threaten, we aren't asked to sacrifice that much for it the church is always asking us to sacrifice to sacrifice ourselves totally for what we have been given and to accept that challenge. Remember um, when our Lord said to St. Peter, we heard this during the Easter season, do you love me? Our Lord was asking him for everything in that question. Do you love me? And you remember also that St. Peter's answer uh, was fell short of what the Lord was asking for. Remember that? Our Lord was saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me in a sacrificial, victimal divine sort of way as I have loved you and you recall St. Peter is saying to the Lord yes Lord you know that I love you in a natural, human, brotherly sort of way he wouldn't give him everything he was asking for then there were things he loved more and didn't realize it even his own life so the Lord asks us that question and he will ask us that question uh, in the end do you love me? And our response, of course, will determine everything else. Now, the good news is that he comes to us to make that possible. Uh, So the one thing that should always focus upon which our attention should always focus is the Eucharist, since that's the very center of everything else. That is where we come to complete our journey in the sense that all that we believe finds its highest moment in the reality of the Lord coming to us. That's where our faith really is. And the one thing we should never lose, I often say to people, as long as you have the Eucharist, you have your center. Whatever else may happen in your life, uh, you will have your center, and you will you need compromise nothing. Because you can't receive the Eucharist if you're going to compromise the faith. If there's some part of the faith that you want to reject, well, then the Eucharist in some ways, uh, and very really. Uh, becomes a stumbling block for you. Uh, But if we accept it all because of what it is, then this becomes the means by which we can live it completely. And if we lose this, then we've lost everything. And we starve to death in the end. So um, we go on then uh, to throw ourselves completely into what we've become, to become new people, to witness the lives of the martyrs and to accept that challenge to become one. We may never physically die for our faith, but we will certainly die in the eyes of the world. We may never be rejected totally by the world, and yet we will be by much of it. And even our friends perhaps will think we are strange or there is something quite wrong. Well, fine. Our job is to then let them know that what we are is what they ought to be, and we can only do that by the seriousness of what we are and by the totality with which we respond to what we've been given. Let us pray, Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the redemptive love of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that her members will always be courageous in professing and living that faith, especially the church suffering, the church in Islamic and communist countries. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For the freedom of the church in our own country, that all of her members uh, will be visible signs of the totality of that truth, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For all nations of the world, especially those hostile to the faith for conversion, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our for all those who are sick and suffering and dying, the lonely, the frustrated and the confused, for those who experience alienation and rejection, that in their sufferings they may know that they are united to the cross of Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our for those who suffer great temptation, for those who have lost the faith and wandered from the Eucharist, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For a greater respect for human life, especially the lives of the innocent, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For an increase in vocations of priesthood in the consecrated life, for those young men and women who will become martyrs for the faith, for a greater reverence for the martyrdom of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our administrator, for our good and holy bishop and his intentions, for our priests, deacons, seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that they will be courageous, first of all, in holiness, and then courageous in proclaiming the faith, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And again, for our nation, that all of us will have great respect for the freedoms that are ours and will live that freedom in a holy way, we pray to the Lord. And for all of us here, that our lives will reflect the Eucharist and the totality of our faith. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Church and the Queen of Martyrs as we sing.